Welcome to the Ecclesia Global Podcast, where we believe in the sovereign move of the Lord to reform the church and the spheres of society globally. I won't be before you long, but it's interesting because I truly believe that now that we have the clean slate and the Lord has given us a reset, I really believe he has anointed me to address and to let the body of Christ know what that reset is intended to do, because that's really what this message um, is going to bring forth. And so let's first jump, let's go, we're going to be in the book of Nehemiah this morning, so let's go to Nehemiah 2, 7, and 8. Father God, I thank you for your grace, your mercy, and I pray that you make me less so that you can increase, and please keep me broken so that you may be exalted. So when you get to Nehemiah 2, 7, just say amen. Amen. And it goes for saying, Moreover, I said to the king, If it pleases the king, let letters be given to me to the governors of beyond the river, that they may let me pass through till I come to Judah. And a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he may give me timber to make beams for the gates of the fortress, which appertains to the house, the temple, and for the wall of the city and for the house that I shall enter into. The title of today's word is The Fundamentals of Building. And usually when people discuss the book of Nehemiah, they talk about the rebuilding of the wall. And they talk about what it took and all the opposition they faced and everything that they had to go through to get through the process of building the wall. But when I read and studied the book of Nehemiah, I saw the key fundamentals of building. And what I mean by that is I saw what was happening surface level, but when I was reading it and studying it, I said, Lord, take me deeper. And I literally said, transcend me beyond space and time and get me to a place where I feel what Nehemiah felt. I think what he thought. And then I said, and also immerse me even more so that I can also take on the character and the attributes of the builders themselves. That's how I want, I literally wanted God to take my own brain out and replace it with one of theirs to get the full picture of what it was like being builders in that mandate, in that assignment of reconstructing the wall in Jerusalem. Amen? And when he did that, I literally was able to see something so profound. And people usually simply see a group of people banding together to build a wall, but what I saw was the blueprint to being a true builder in the kingdom. So I am going to share with you what was revealed to me through revelation and just through really getting drunk. I understand it now. You said get drunk. I said, you know, you don't have, you have not because you asked not. I asked them and it was, it was a long night, praise the Lord. But now I get it, Apostle, I get it. And so I'm going to begin to break down the revelation I received from studying this. Yes, yeah, dr- yeah, drunk in the spirit, not drunk off, not drunk off the vodka, drunk, drunk in the spirit. And so now let's go back to the first part of that, of Nehemiah 2, 7 and 8. It said, firstly, before going on the journey, Nehemiah asked the king for letters demonstrating that he has the king's authority to all governors of the province of beyond the river. 
what this shows is his rank in the kingdom that he serves. That also means he can enter into spheres, into territories, safely in his, on his way to his destination. But what that also showed me was that what this really shows is his unimpeded access. Everything in the earth mirrors what already takes place in the heavens. So when you think about the structure of a kingdom ruled by kings down here, it is really similar to what is already taking place in, in the heavens as it pertains to structure, as it pertains to scope of authority, as it pertains to the jurisdiction, etc. And so that really gives you a picture of really what that kingdom that he served and what that structure looked like. And then he asks for a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, requiring him to provide the necessary timber for the building process, everything that he would need, all of the resources that he would need to build and to fulfill the assignment, which is what he wanted to do is that he wanted to rebuild the wall of his, fa like that of his father's, where his fathers were laid, the tombs where they were laid. The whole wall was completely in desolation. It was on fire. It was burnt. Everything was completely gone. And the returnees of Israel didn't have, um, didn't have it. And so it really gripped Nehemiah and he was weeping and he went before the Lord and he fasted and he prayed and that was what placed it on his heart to ask the king to release him to rebuild it. So that gives you a backdrop of what he was intending to do. And so when he asked for the letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, requiring the materials and the resources and the beams and everything that he would need, this shows that because of his rank and access in the king's house and to the king himself, it was easy for him to gain entry to documents that helped him valiantly research what the roadblocks would be, who the keepers of the gates were, how to navigate by them, and what the required materials were that he needed for the proposed construction and how to exercise his authority to get it. Are y'all with me? Amen. And what that showed me when I read this, it showed me that the builder may be spiritual, but he's never careless. He does his research. He does his due diligence. He knows what he's going into. And as a trusted and faithful servant of the king, Nehemiah was given the green light to go and build and restore the city of his fathers. And now with the permission from the king, I'm building something here. With the permission from the king, and his letters of authority, guess what Nehemiah set out with on his journey to build? A suitable armed escort. When you read the text, you see that it was the king that chose Nehemiah's escort because he was a royal official in the king's house. And you see this in Nehemiah 2 and 9 where it says, Now the king has sent with me captains of the army and horsemen. That showed me that when the king has given the builder a green light... There is an army that goes before him to ensure his safe arrival to the destination. So now let's jump to Nehemiah 2 and 18. I told you I'm building something. So let's go to Nehemiah 2 and 18. Nehemiah 2 and 18 says, And I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me, as also of the king's words that he had spoken to me, and they said, let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for the good work. To strengthen, to strengthen comes from the Greek word sthenos, which means to make strong as to be mobile. 
and also able to move in a way that achieves something in the most effective way. So when you look and really examine the text, they weren't strengthening their hands physically, but they were really preparing themselves mentally, their minds, their will, their fervency, their commitment. In other words, mind, body, soul, and spirit for the good work. And what I found interesting about this particular verse is that after Nehemiah told them the vision, he told them that the hand of the Lord was upon him. And he made them privy to the permission he received from the legislative authority that was over his life to fulfill the assignment. The word they stuck out to me. Why? Because it wasn't Nehemiah that said, let's rise up and build. It was the fellow builders with him that exclaimed, let's rise up and build. All Nehemiah did was tell them what the mandate was. And the best part was that they strengthened their hands. And it showed me that their minds were completely made up and that they were committed to accomplishing the good work because they prepared themselves with boldness. And the reason I saw that they prepared themselves with boldness is because Nehemiah couldn't tell anyone that he was trying to rebuild the wall. That's why he inspected it when it was nighttime, when no one knew, because they knew that once word leaked out that they were rebuilding the wall, opposition would come. So they prepared themselves with boldness. They prepared themselves with tenacity and perseverance. They literally nerved themselves for the huge task ahead. Building something begins way before the manual labor. The fundamentals of building really kick into action when you make up your mind that it's going to get done. So now we're going to break down the fundamentals of building. When you walk into a house, no one asks you who the builders were. They ask you who the architect is. But that does not diminish the significance of the builders because they had the most important job. They were taxed with bringing a vision, a blueprint to a tangible structure made up of materials that were sturdy enough to withstand storms, strong winds, sweltering heat, cold biting winters. They literally had to take all of that into consideration when they were building based on the blueprint. Blueprints have three main parts. Part one, the vision and drawing of the vision. Part two, the dimensions of what needs to be built. And part three, notes to include information that can't easily be identified in the vision but are essential to the building process. So it's the little details. So for example, when apostle walks into the house, he can see all of the chairs in, in line and fixed, but he'll see that one that's out of place, details. But the question that we must ask to the body of believers is that are you a builder or are you trying to tear down what's already been built with your own desires, with your own beliefs and ideas, with your own heart posture? Are you willing to build a house that's not part of your inheritance, but the inheritance of many families in the years to come? The problem that we face in the church is that a lot of people are building for themselves but rarely take into consideration the next generation. 
The people who build substantial houses and properties sometimes rarely live in them, but they reap the reward of having other people make it their home. The house is going to be their safe haven and the framework for their family life. They are going to be able to hold that house to so much meaning and emotion and value because they know that that's that pla the place where they feel the most safe. It's their home. And the Holy Spirit showed me through revelation and through prayer and through the studying of the word that some of the people in the body of Christ are building on quicksand. It's in quicksand. They're doing it all in vain because God doesn't, uh, um, they're doing it all in vain, not because God doesn't want to bless them and prosper them, but because he can't trust them to take heed to wise counsel. I heard it so clearly. The Holy Spirit said to me, if they can't listen to the legislative authority I have established in my house, they will always disobey my commands. And so building a house while trying to build your own on the side takes away from your ability to focus on the task at hand. Building your own thing on the side does not guarantee a sustainable structure because you'll need the architect. How are you building something that doesn't even have the counsel of someone with the experience, with the skill, with the expertise of creating a vision and a blueprint from scratch? The ones that can take a thought and turn it into something that you can see and touch with your own bare hands. Nehemiah had a blueprint. He had a vision. And he had the backing of God and the backing of the legislative authority in the earth. The builders couldn't start building and working until he made the vision plain. I don't know how many times Apostle has made the vision plain in this house, but I'm just going to let it sit right there. He has made it so plain. ABC. But I'm not, that's another sermon. It's not why I'm here. And so I'll tell you, I'll give you a story for myself. So a couple, a couple of months ago, so I wrote a book, right? But what people don't know is that a couple of months ago, in the month of April, Apostle re, um, gave a word. He released the word, and me and him had a conversation after, after that sermon on Wednesday night. Apostle, you probably don't remember because you have to think about nations. So I, I understand, but I'll refresh your memory. So he released a word into the house about not seeking the counsel of the leadership for things that were taking place in your life. So at the time, I was halfway done with writing the book. So I was convicted in my heart in that sermon. I said, oh, Lord. So after the service, I went up to Apostle. I said, Apostle, I need you to rebuke me. And he said, what happened? I said, okay, so I, I'm writing a book, but the Holy Spirit has really placed it on my heart to write this book. And I'm writing the book, but I didn't even come to you. I didn't even ask you. I didn't even seek your faith. I'm um, seek your, your counsel and your instruction on what I needed to do next. And so we had a conversation. He started laughing. He said, Shirlene, I released you to do the book. He said, change lives, impact nations, do all that. And I was like, he, uh, it was after nine o'clock. So he was obviously trying to get home, but... After that, we had another conversation where we had a meeting about the marketing for the summit, and we talked about it more in depth. And so it really showed me. I said, okay, I was able to do that. And what that really means for me is that I don't move until I've asked for permission, insight, or rebuke, or instruction, or all the above, all at the same time. I'll be the first one to ask the leaders for re to rebuke me. I've asked Pastor T to rebuke me before. 
I, I, because listen, you ha like we have to get it. Oh, y'all don't ask the leaders to rebuke y'all. Oh, I'd be the first one. I'm like, Lord, rebuke me. Okay, I repent because I know I dropped the ball there. So I ask, I have to rebuke. I have to ask for, for rebuke, and I also have to repent. And God, because God owns everything in my life. He owns everything that I have. I'm just the manager. That's all that I am. I am the manager of what God has entrusted for me to be a steward over. So when that's what happens, that when the owner comes, he can inspect your work, and he can measure, and he can take away and add as, as he pleases. And so and for me, in that construct, I know that I have to walk circumspectly before the Lord. I, y'all, God scares me. He scares me. You guys get the lover of your soul, the loving kindness, um, the healer, the deliverer. And I, and he's all of those to me too. But I get the one that wakes me up at three o'clock in the morning and asks me, what did you do with what I gave you? Amen. And I'm just like, and I have to get up and get to work. That's who I get more often than not. And I'm like, oh Lord, you meant right now? I thought you meant when the sun was up. When other people, oh, my bad, my fault. I thought you meant when everybody else was awake. Not, no, not now. And when I didn't get an answer, I said, I actually asked this out loud. And when I didn't get an answer, I said, oh, never mind. And I just got up and went to work. Because that's the God that I get. Because if you are going to be someone that God can trust with his projects, you don't get a say. And you don't get an opinion. You just get up and you just do it. And so to get back to my point, Literally, that was the mentality of the builders in the book of Nehemiah. They had their minds made up that they were going to build. So can y'all do me a favor? Just close your eyes real quick. Just close your eyes. Here at New Life Covenant Church, we're not just building a house. We're building a vast and complex entity that is designed to bring more structure to the, sp the spheres of society on a global scale. Are y'all with me? Keep your eyes closed. I need you to picture it in your mind. Paint it in your mind. Picture the cathedral. Picture the buildings, the school. Picture us owning the whole block where entrepreneurs will be able to come and lease property, where our business owners in this house will be able to build their own businesses that are pertaining to kingdom principles. Picture it. Because only when you can envision something in your mind can you see where you fit into the structure. You can open it, you can open it. What we are building is, is not a single large construction project that requires management and tracking, but we are building multiple projects that may have different design schemes, layouts, deadlines, geographical locations, suppliers, subcontractors, what you name it, that is what we're building because, but they all carry one sole focus, reforming the church and the spheres of society on a global scale. So you must ask yourself, where do I fit into the structure of what is already being built? What giftings has God placed and anointed you with that is meant to add to the soul focus? You have to ask God to open up your eyes to see and your ears to hear where he has called you to put your hand to the plow and strain towards what lies ahead. 
That's what the builders in the book of Nehemiah did. In chapter 3, you see a vast multitude of people that came together to rebuild the wall. Can you play something, Dijon? I'm going to start winding down. So it was. After their enemies saw that the gaps were being closed and the building process was being taken up to another level, they conspired to join all their forces together to take the builders out. But the Lord exposed their plot. Now let's go to Nehemiah 4, 16 and 8 through 18. It says, so it was from that time on that half of my servants worked at construction while the other half held up the spears, the shields, the bows and wore armor. And the leaders were behind all the house of Judah. Those who built on the wall and those who carried burdens loaded themselves so that with one hand they worked at construction and with the other they held a weapon. Every one of the builders had his sword girded at his side as he built, and the one who sounded the trumpet was beside me. You have to be willing to protect what's here. We're building, but your eyes must be open and alert to potential threats. This was the key to their building process in Nehemiah. The builders were committed to doing their part to protect what they were helping to build. But is the body of Christ yielded enough to become effective builders in a God-ordained vision first before God blesses them with their own? That's the problem we are facing today in the church, and that's why we have to tear down these altars like Apostle and Pastor CJ have said in recent sermons. And Pastor CJ said something so interesting in one of his sermons a couple of weeks back. He said, we are in a religious matrix. In other words, we live in the fake world thinking we are in God's world at the same time. And at that moment, I saw how the body of Christ focuses so much on the things that are mutually exclusive. Mutual exclusivity, mutual exclusivity takes place when two things can't both occur at the same time. So some will fake being committed to building in a house and make it look like they're sold out and yielded to what is being established. But in reality, they have a laundry list of how they're going to do things differently when they build their own. Mutually exclusive. Their sole focus isn't even really on building. It's about blending in long enough to suck the resources of where God has actually planted them. Some of the people in the body of Christ are biding their time and asking God to open up avenues and doorways for them with a false expectation that they will thrive. But in reality, all they will have is the residue of the covering that they left behind that is potent enough to carry them and sustain them in the place where they are going for a time. It won't last. Y'all, we are building and we have the full backing of the kingdom of God to take full dominion, not partial, but full dominion. And it will come to pass where what the builders have set out to build will be complete. And those who secretly prayed for its demise will look upon it in dismay, but perceive that the work was done by our God because we have humbled ourselves under the mighty hand of God for nine years. 
Now the hand of God is on us to go out and do what he created us to do, which is to build, to trailblaze, and to reform. Are you guys ready to build, to trailblaze, and to reform? We hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you for listening to the Ecclesia Global Podcast, where once again we believe in the sovereign move of the Lord to reform the church and the spheres of society globally. We'll see you next time.